interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. It is Easter weekend. Uh, I don't know about you guys. We had a lovely uh, Good Friday service here yesterday. And tomorrow it's going to be a great celebration of Easter. And, uh, you know, I know uh, I'm, I'm okay with Easter bunny and eggs and candy and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But that's, that's not Easter. That's, that's like spring celebration or something. Easter is uh, a, a Christian holiday. And, uh, and so I thought, what better way here as we're anticipating that great day tomorrow than have one of my pastor buddies in here to talk about resurrection and the victim. I mean, the, the good guy who very nicely said yes is uh, Pastor Todd Bumgarner. How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty well, Stu. That's great. The, uh, and tell me where, again, tell the audience where you're the pastor. Two Pillars Church over at 40th and Sheridan. Yes. And uh, 40th and Sheridan is very near and dear to my heart because that's where I started ministry in that building. Uh, not at Two Pillars, but at an old place called Covenant Presbyterian. And uh, how long has Two Pillars, well, how long has Two Pillars been around and how long has it been at that building? We have been around for right about 13 years, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been at that building, I think, since, I don't know, the time's a little fuzzy, four or five years, that's, something that's, like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a sweet spot, isn't it? Yeah. It's been really good to us. Oh, that's great. The In fact, uh, we're going to, I've talked you into showing me some of the upgrades there, because there's uh over the, it's it started I think the original church there was like in the 1920s or something the yep the old uh, Sheridan Boulevard Baptist yes yeah. Sheridan and then we the uh, the old Covenant Presbyterian got it in uh, I don't know somewhere in the early 80s and maybe 85 mid 80s something like that and then uh, and then uh, Grace Chapel was birthed out of that uh, building. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it's really cool to have uh, uh, two pillars now uh, at that site with a lovely sign out front. I must say. Well, good. I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, and by the way, uh, uh, Todd and I have known each other for quite a while. But one of the other things we have in common is we went to the same seminary. That's right, Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis. Yeah, and you're originally from. Uh, uh, St. Louis, right? Uh, no, I grew up here. I grew up oh. in Geneva, Nebraska, about oh, okay. an hour southwest okay. of Lincoln. I got confused. Spent, Saint, spent about eight years in St. Louis after college, though. Lived down there for about eight years. Okay, that's what the deal was. So yep. you're just in there for a season. Yep. And uh, and your your life before, I had a life before pastoring, and your life before fa- pastoring was? Yeah, I was electronics design engineer for an aerospace company down in St. Louis. So <laughs> did that for uh, eight years. Yep. Eight years. Yep. That is great. And then, uh, so... Life at Covenant, did you then like go full-time at Covenant, or did you like do some work and kind of... Uh... Yeah, so I was actually a distant student, distant ed student at Covenant. Um, mm-hmm. We lived out in the Burbs. I actually, when we moved to St. Louis, I went and got a master's in electrical engineering, which is a little bit mm-hmm. useless now. Um, <laughs> so I uh, did that, and then as I finished that up, I w- I'd become a Christian in that time period, mm-hmm. and was starting to experience a little bit of a call to ministry, mm-hmm. and started looking around at some of my options and found Covenant Theological Seminary. Um, we were starting our family and the, my time on campus was, was done. I needed to to be home. And so I did most of my, um, seminary education through distance ed, but then was on campus for some, um, you know, J term sort of stuff in between semesters and some of those kinds of classes. Between Geneva and St. Louis, 
was that University of Nebraska then? Yep. Or? Yep. I'm a Husker. So they got you introduced to uh, Lincoln then. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and Lincoln's been home for a long time now. Yeah, yeah. As I, you know, got called into ministry and um, felt a call to plant a church, the Lord laid Lincoln on my heart really fast. And part of that was um, really a heart to to come back and preach the gospel to guys like me um, from my college years who Mm. didn't even know that Christianity was for them. Mm. Yeah. Well, one of the things we're going to do, probably the main thing we're going to do today is uh, it is Easter weekend. And I find that there are so many things about, again, we, I'm not, I'm not opposed to, I'm not a killjoy. I'm not opposed to fun. I'm not opposed to, we, with our kids, we did Easter egg hunts and all kinds of things like that. But, but that, that is not Easter. And as pastors, uh, Easter is kind of like the Super Bowl of Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which, uh, now I know we love, we love Christmas and people come for Christmas, but I've always, uh, I've always felt like Easter is a bigger deal than even Christmas. I mean, okay, without Christmas, there is no Easter. Sure. But uh, why, in your pastoral mind, what is the what is the big picture significance of Easter? Yeah, I mean, Easter is our reminder that our Lord and Savior Jesus is not dead. He didn't just die for us. Um, he rose for us. He's alive, and we have hope uh, because he is alive. We are promised our own resurrection because he mm. is a- alive. And so that's, I, I think that's the, the core, really, of why Easter is, is so significant. We don't worship a dead God. Yes, yes. And one of the things uh, I've, it's certain things we take for granted, and one of those things is just uh, the whole idea of resurrection. Mm. What is resurrection? Yeah, well, when we talk about resurrection uh, within Christianity, we're talking about the, the literal resurrection of Jesus from the grave. So we know that on Good Friday, uh, Jesus was killed. That's what we celebrated last night. And um, and he was in the grave then for three days. And on the third day then, he rose physically, bodily, um, mm. from the grave. And so he wasn't just asleep. Um, he was was really dead. He was dead dead, as I like to say. Mm. And he, he rose. He came back to life. Um, and, and not just back to life in... Um, the, the way that somebody maybe flatlines on an operating table and then comes back to life and then 20 or 30 years dies again. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus was resurrected to eternal life, um, and that's that's part of what we mean when we talk about the resurrection of him. Yes. Yeah. It's it's interesting how this has become—I mean, I get it with, with uh, non-Christians who would say, hey, well, you know, sure, my, maybe there's a part of my spirit or something that lives on and everything, but— but the the Christian hope is not just that your spirit lives on, or that the memory of you lives on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, by the way, have you ever been to a funeral? Like, well, it'll live in forever in my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Does that bring you comfort? Yeah. No, I don't want to live forever in somebody's heart. I want to live forever <laughs> in the presence of Jesus. Yeah. It sounds a whole lot better, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, but I mean, not that, okay, I'm glad that I'm in that person's heart, but then that person's going to die too, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, is that when it's all over? Yeah. The, uh, but the idea of uh, bodily resurrection, um, I remember uh, somebody asking their pastor if he believed the big miracle. Mm-hmm. And without hesitating, he knew what he was talking about. It wasn't, because if if bodily resurrection is real, then... Any other miracle that's presented in the Bible is mm-hmm. is is nothing compared to that, right? Yeah, I mean that's the that's kind of the, in what ways is the resurrection kind of the key that unlocks so much of what makes Christianity unique? Yeah, you know I, I think part of that is 
um, part of the just to maybe hit on the struggle a little bit there. I think part of the struggle is that it's it's really difficult to believe in the resurrection. It's it's a lot easier to believe that Jesus died for me mm. than it is to believe that he rose for me. People die every day, um, mm. and and we experience um, death of loved ones and that sort of thing. So we can kind of wrap our minds around a category of of Christ dying for us um, to a, to a certain extent. Um, but it's a lot harder for us to wrap our minds around Christ um, conquering the grave and and being raised to new life uh, for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, we want to today. We're going to just unpack that, and as we think about kind of the sobering thoughts of uh, again, Good Friday, the cross of Christ, and the suffering. Uh, we want to take some time to get people ready for tomorrow because we're going to celebrate. Uh, Jesus' resurrection is the down payment, the Bible says, on, yeah. on our resurrection. And uh, so I'm going to ask you a few uh, things about what's going to happen at Two Pillars. Uh, and uh, and hopefully the listeners can, again, get their hearts ready and thinking about this and find a church that is going to uh, inspire you with what the Bible teaches, what we believe is historically true, that God not only took on human flesh, not only lived a perfect life, not only died for sinners, but that he rose again from the dead. Sound good? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Pastor Todd Bumgarner here from Two Pillars. Uh, glad to have you along. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Freshen up the coffee. We're just getting started on 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on The Voice of Lincoln. 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with Pastor Todd Bumgarner here. And we're talking resurrection and uh, Easter and the real meaning of Easter. And uh, a good place to start with every pastor is, uh, where, uh, uh, what, what are you going to be preaching on? Yeah. Because there are so many different ways we can kind of attack this. Yep, yep. You know, being a pastor for 13 years now, you, you start to find your way through the, the passages a little bit and try not to repeat too much. But this, uh, tomorrow morning... Uh, we'll be spending time in the 20th chapter of the gospel according to John, and specifically the first 10 verses. And um, and then we're going to kind of jump, I don't usually do this, but kind of jump then from there to actually to, to Hebrews uh, chapter 7, verse 25. And, and the emphasis that I'm really trying to draw out this weekend is, um, you know, the WWJD is a real famous saying within Christianity, what would Jesus do? Uh, Resurrection Sunday gives us an opportunity to ask two different questions. What did Jesus do? Um, mm. Part of what he did is he conquered the grave. Mm -hmm. um, and then what is Jesus doing now? And one of the things that Hebrews 7.25 tells us that he is now interceding for us, that yeah. he always lives to make intercession for us. And so that's those are the kind of key passages where we're going to be honing in uh, yeah. tomorrow morning. You know, there's, okay, when I was a kid and I was raised in the church, uh, there's, and maybe a lot of adults have thought this too. It's like, wow, wouldn't it have been better if Jesus had stayed here? Mm. You know, because uh, he, we could all see the resurrected Jesus, and uh, wouldn't that be the best way to do things? And yet, obviously, uh, he knows best, and that is not. Uh, so So I think that's a pretty good question, then. Well, what is Jesus currently doing? Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's, uh, he's alive. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know spatially exactly how that works, mm -hmm. but, uh, but he's alive. What is his current uh, work? Uh, in the world. 
Yeah. You know, it's it's a really important question, and it's it's part of the gospel. I think sometimes we, we can narrowize the gospel into it just being that Jesus died on the cross for us. But really, the, the gospel is far more encompassing than that. It, it includes um, the, the fact that Jesus has eternally existed and that he came for us in the incarnation, that he lived the perfect life for us, and he died a death um, that we deserve to die, he died in our place for our sins, that he conquered the grave. That's part of the, the resurrection. He appeared, he ascended, and now he's in this state where we're not just waiting for him to return, though we are. Um, we He is also in the state of ruling and reigning. So Matthew 28 talks about all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus is ruling and, and reigning. Um, but also he is interceding for us is one of the things that he's doing right now. He's, bef- he's before the throne of God, interceding on our behalf, and there's great comfort for us as believers in that truth. Yeah, yeah. There, um, I'm, I've been preaching through John, and we were in John 14. We're doing the I am's, uh, Jesus, seven, seven different phrases he uses, describes himself as I am this or I am that, and, and which uh, I am as, I, it seems to be an echo of, of the name that God gave to himself to Moses, yeah. uh, at least as the Hebrews translated into the Greek. And, uh, but then but Jesus says something very perplexing. One of the last, the, the next to last I am is I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah. So that's, again, both encouraging and for many people offensive. Right. That no one comes to the Father uh, except through me. Uh, what, <laughs> there, uh, that's just a part of the American experience is that we, we kind of bristle against the idea that mm. There are a lot of other things that are true out there, but there's only one capital T truth, the mm-hmm. Jesus. There's only one capital W way, who is Jesus. Uh, what, what do you say to the listener who's like, boy, pastor, that's awfully narrow. You know, I'm not sure I can, I can embrace a faith that, that's, that's that narrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, the resurrection is actually a, a really interesting point to raise there, right? So someone who wants to question the um, Jesus being the only way to God actually has to wrestle with the fact that Jesus claimed to be God. And Mm. Jesus claimed a a lot of things. And one of the things that he claimed is that he would be put to death and three days later rise from the grave. Mm. And um, he did that. And now we have an empty tomb on our hands. Mm. And so to, to say um, I don't, I don't like this, you know, only way to, to God is Jesus business. We really have to deal with what Jesus did. Um, he did conquer the grave. There is great evidence for that. And we can, you know, talk about some of those aspects of evidence for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in so many ways, the, the central apologetic that we have to deal with, um, is this aspect of the empty tomb, the empty tomb, yeah. the, uh, it's, uh, as I was thinking about that exclusivity mm. that is again, very offensive to the American mind there, uh, you were talking about how we, we go through the gospels and we say, Oh, that sounds sweet. I like that. And so there are certain sayings of Jesus that we just embrace yeah. as even all Americans. And then, and all of a sudden we bump into something else yeah. and it's like, wait a minute, I don't like that. And, and as Americans, we, we kind of like a la carte, you know, yeah. I, I'll kind of pick and choose the things that, that, what would you say to the a la carte person out there who says, well, I mean, you know, Jesus said a lot of good things, but yeah, I just, I'm not so sure I, I accept all those things. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult to accept 
anything that he said if you don't accept everything that he said because mm. he is he is lord I, for example even with even with the resurrection right um paul wrote in first corinthians 15 if christ hasn't been raised then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain in other words um if the resurrection is a stumbling block for us um if we don't believe that that's really true then then really we've got a problem with all of christianity on our hands mm. There, I mean, there's a real sense in which resurrection is kind of the linchpin, right? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, I, I like the way that uh, Eugene Peterson, I, I don't lean heavily on his message translation, but it's helpful <laughs> sometimes to kind of get a sense maybe of a passage or look at it in a new sure. way. Yeah. And he, he translates that spot in First Corinthians uh, 15. He says something like, like face it. You know, i got to face it. If, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything that we've told you so far is smoke and mirrors, is what mm. he says. And, mm. and your faith is it's just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And so in that sense, the resurrection really is a, really is a linchpin for us. I, I mean, I think I, in that case, again, I, I think he nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. There, uh, it's, it's so hard to, uh, again, smoke and mirrors, uh, I've asked the congregation before, I said, you know, when we speak these words, uh, John 14 has the famous, that's used in a lot of funerals. Um, in my house are, feather, are many rooms who are not so, what I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And and so this idea of oh, don't be troubled, just believe that Jesus is again preparing a place for you. Well, if he isn't alive <laughs> to do this work, yeah. then uh, again, so the question is, is this true, which is what you and I are advocating, or is this just stuff we say at funerals to make ourselves feel better? Yeah. And and if it is just stuff that we say at funerals that make us temporarily feel better, mm-hmm. uh, I can just say for myself, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be a part of smoke and mirrors. Yep. Yeah, and it makes us think twice, I think, even about the language that we use at funerals sometimes. Um, mm. A lot of times we... We like the the comfort of hearing that um, a loved one is in a better place, and mm-hmm. yet if we hold fast to the scriptures, um, we would we would say that that's not always true. Mm-hmm. If they haven't trusted in Christ for salvation, that's it's hard. That's why we want people who are living today and hearing that um, yeah. today to hear the gospel and trust securely in Him. Yeah, yeah. Another thing in John fourteen, you're talking about what Jesus is doing today. Uh, this is another one of those things that I always, it's like, what in the world is he saying? So uh, verse uh, 12, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do, will also do the works that I do. Mm. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the father. Okay. Uh, greater works than, I mean, Jesus, again, in the gospels, he's, healing the sick, he's uh, calming the winds, he's walking on the water, he's literally raising the dead Mm. in uh, this gospel. And yet, before he heads to the cross, this is in the last week, uh, John 14, he who believes in me will do even greater things than that. Any ideas of what Jesus is hinting at? Uh, Because it seems like, that's I don't know, that seems kind of mysterious. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, off the cuff, um, I would say maybe he's talking about the uh, sending the Spirit to live in us and empower us, um, and to to live out um, everything that he's commanded us to do. You know, up until um, Christ, what we have is a law, and we're trying to keep this law, but we, no one can keep it perfectly. 
um, after Christ has uh, come and died and resurrected, you know, he's promised to send the Holy Spirit. And so when we trust in him, he sends the Spirit in us. And now, by the power of the Spirit, we, we can begin to keep the law. And in fact, the law has been fulfilled completely for us um, by Christ on his behalf. And his Spirit comes into us to lead us to desire to, to fulfill the law, gives us a new heart, transforms us. And now we can walk in obedience, although it's imperfect. Um, we continue to have Christ as our forgiveness, even when we fail. Um, yeah. But that might be part of what he's hitting out there. I think absolutely. I mean, I think uh, that's where my mind goes is the Pentecost. Yeah. Is that uh, God sends the Spirit, P- Peter preaches the gospel, and on that day, 3,000 yeah. souls are added. Yeah. I don't, there's no record of Jesus preaching a sermon and having 3,000 people be converted. Yeah, uh, and here's Peter, the guy who who denied him, and so I think you're spot on. I mm-hmm. think we we downplay the work of the 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 presence, this increase of the presence and power. So if I mean, basically, with Jesus at the right hand of the Father, mm-hmm. with the Spirit indwelling the people of God, uh, God, what g- can't God do? Yeah, uh, yeah. and and so uh, I I think you're uh, I think you're right on. Uh, well, let's. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to keep unpacking different aspects of resurrection. Uh, Talking with Pastor Todd Baumgartner today. Glad to have you along on uh, The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday talking with uh, Pastor uh, or Pastor Todd. Let's say Pastor Todd Bumgarner. That sounds better. I hear from Two Pillars, which is at 40th and Sheridan. And uh, uh, Todd, what is the, now, uh, there are several places in the Bible that speak of resurrection, especially Jesus' resurrection in the Gospels. But what is the classic place that we're going to probably go most most Sundays? Yep. Almost everybody wants to go to 1 Corinthians 15. And there's uh, great, great food for us there to, to eat and to, to really savor as we consider Christ's resurrection for sure. Yes. In fact, that's where I'm going to go this Sunday. I'm going to go those first four verses of 1 Corinthians 15, but it's it's kind of the the whole resurrection uh, passage here. One of the things that Paul gets into here is the uh, the question, okay, if the resurrection is not real, then that means not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, uh, he says, verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Mm-hmm. You are still in your sins. Uh, what? Uh, what's the application then of Christ's resurrection to us personally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, you know, when you when you read that, my mind went also to Romans six, um, where Paul says, "For the death that Christ died, he, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God." And you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There, There's this aspect of the resurrection that really um, confirms the work that Christ did uh, on the cross. And, and we know that by trusting in Christ and his death on the cross, uh, we are counted right before the Lord. Uh, we are counted as righteous. And there's this aspect of the resurrection that is proof positive in a way that what Christ accomplished for us on the cross really, really does count. Yeah. As, as he goes on in that chapter, then he talks about again, the death. And then he talks about, uh, okay, Christ destroying every rule and uh, power and authority. 
And then uh, I think what are we about verse 25. For he, that is Christ, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Um, it seems like there's a lot of enemies out there, but the last enemy to be destroyed is, is death. Why, uh, in what sense then is death kind of the ultimate enemy in that way? Yeah, I mean, death being the the end of of our life, you know, I think one of the promises that Jesus makes for us is um, in the Gospels where he says, if anyone believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Um, If, again, if we go back to if Jesus only died for us, this life is, is all we got. Um, and so we got to maximize it. We got to get the most out of it as we possibly can. Um, we got to get all of our fulfillment, all of our pleasure, all that. And yet if Christ raised from the dead and we're promised eternal resurrected life with him, we know that we're going to live on forever. Um, we don't have to squeeze everything that there is out of this life. We know that there is joy, eternal joys, um, that, that await us as we live forever with him. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that he, he actually is pretty blunt at the end of that section there, uh, he says, uh, if, uh, what is it? Verse, uh, 30, uh, well, I need my glasses here. <laughs> looks like 32, 33. Mm. It says, if, uh, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty stark. Yeah. Maximize pleasure, minimize pain. Uh, yeah. and I, I think a lot of people are kind of shocked by that, that if there's, uh, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, even if the gospel isn't true, even if uh, the you know the promises of God aren't true, at least at the end of my life, I could say I lived a good life. And uh, and I would say respectfully, Paul disagrees. <laughs> yeah, that's it's not true. Yeah. You actually kind of wasted your life. Yeah. 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 And and he also tells us, you know, he, he says there um, in verse 19 of First Corinthians um, 15, he says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only. We are of all most people to be pitied. And so there's this sense that if, if Jesus only died for you, your hope in suffering is to be pitied. But but if he also raised for you, your hope is not in this world, um, but it's in Christ and your life, no matter how difficult it it is, has been hidden with God. I think of Paul's words in, in Colossians 3 as well, where he says, if then you have been raised with Christ and Romans 6 talks about our union with Christ in the sense that we are already, in a sense, united with him in his resurrection. He says, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then this is the best part. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hmm. And so is that a reference to what we call the second coming? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, again, people love to try to predict the second coming, but uh, <laughs> the way I read the New Testament, it seems like uh, that's a secret, uh, well, the best kept secret in human history that no one's going to really know. Yeah. That's a <laughs> yeah, despite your charts and graphs, uh, uh, no, one, no one does know the day or the hour. Yes, yes. And then also the last thing in this chapter um, it gets into this kind of mystery realm of, okay, so a resurrected body. Is it just like this one? And uh, so Paul gives some analogies there of what the resurrection body is like. And, and I know these are, these are illustrations, but, um, but what, are, what are some of the things that you gather from, from his teaching about 
this question of what kind of body uh, will we have? Yeah, I mean, in verse 40, he talks about there being heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, um, but the glory of heavenly uh, is of one kind and the glory of earthly is of another. Um, And I think one of the things that that he's getting at here, especially as you go down a little bit further in verse 42, um, where he says, it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. And there's a sense of us, we're going to put off the the perishable and put on the imperishable and this imperishable is going to be our literal restored glorified human bodies mm. um that that God created us and he created us good our bodies are good our bodies are not the enemy um satan sin and death is the enemy with with death being the last enemy mm. and um we will put on these imperishable bodies and live uh, forever uh, with him in in our natural but glorified bodies. Yeah, that's uh, it's. I think a part of okay for me personally when I think about eternity. Number one, it's hard to imagine eternity. I don't know you know the life we confess that we believe in again the life everlasting, but but a part of what makes that hard for me to accept is the fact that you know, I don't want to live forever this way, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to battle my weight. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to have knees that fail. I don't mm-hmm. want to have cancer. I don't want to have, it seems like, so it's, it's really hard for us to conceive. And especially as pastors, we see people who struggle with their bodies all mm-hmm. over. There's a, is it sometimes hard for people just to get past that idea that, okay, that yes, you'll be in the flesh, but this is a flesh without the burdens of sin. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's I think it can be difficult for us to get past that when we think of our own human ailments. And so, like I was chopping wood the other day, and something landed on my foot. I think I broke a toe, you know, <laughs> and uh, that hurts. It, but I can I also can remember what it was like to not have that feeling in my toe. Mm. Um, and so, there's an aspect of that. Then we have people, um, you know, my wife has some chronic illness stuff, um, and uh, and it's more difficult, I think, for someone who's in a state like that to remember even what it was like before because they've been dealing mm-hmm. with that so long. Mm-hmm. But for those of us maybe who are not struggling with the same thing, we can picture them in that glorified state. There's a gentleman in our congregation who is in the wheelchair for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's really difficult for him to really imagine what it was like to not be um, in that state. And yet we can picture Jeff dancing with Jesus in heaven, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's easier sometimes for us to picture others in that state, I think, even than it is for us. Mm -hmm. But as we have brotherly love and affection for one another within the congregation of Christ, there's something real that we can take um, out of that as we think about others being restored in their bodies and us then too. Yeah, yeah. That was, it reminds me, there was a young young person in our uh, congregation who had lifelong... uh, issues with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, very yeah. severe juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And she died a few years ago and her, her mom sometimes will message me. And this, I think the anniversary of her death is really close mm. to, to Easter this year. Mm. And so she was just kind of remembering that. And, and, uh, and I thought, what a wonderful thing now to, to know that she had faith in Christ yeah. and that those burdens are not her reality anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the the time here on earth that she faced him feels like a, a blip on the radar compared to eternity. Yes, right. yes, absolutely. Uh, one last break, and then we'll come back here. Uh, we'll do a little shameless plug. Uh, and then I've got a couple other questions and thoughts. 
about Easter. Sound good? Yeah. All right. I'm talking with Pastor Todd Bumgarner here from Two Pillars. Good to have you along on the Friendly Fire Saturday. This is 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on Easter weekend. This is Friendly Fire and uh, talking with Pastor Todd Bumgarner today from Two Pillars there at 40th and Sheridan. And uh, Pastor Todd, it is that time of the program. We always do a shameless plug, so uh, plug away. Yeah, Two Pillars Church. Uh, TwoPillarsChurch.com. That's the number two. That'll get you um, all the information you might be wanting about us. And we'd love for you to join us on Easter Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And they're at 40th and Sheridan. Now, the question everybody asks is, what are the two pillars? Oh, great. Yes. Well, it's not a cult. It sounds a little <laughs> bit like it. I had a neighbor one time ask me if that meant we didn't believe in the Holy Spirit because there was only two of them. I said, no, no. Maybe we should have workshopped this name. But the, the two pillars um, comes from a, an obscure passage in the Old Testament, First Kings uh, chapter 7, where Solomon finishes constructing the first temple, and he... Uh, puts two pillars out in front of the temple, and he names one Jachin, which means he establishes, God establishes. And he names the other one Boaz, which means uh, in him is strength, and God is our strength. And so as I was mulling over this calling to plant a church, I was doing some Old Testament um, Old Testament studies for seminary class, actually, and came across that passage and um, bounced it around a little bit, and it stuck. And the idea was that if, if we were to plant a church and start a church from scratch, that it was going to really have to be God who established it. And we'd have to continually be reminded and remind ourselves that it's him that our strength is in. I like it. I like it. Uh, I will say for my shameless plug, just again, uh, find a, uh, there are all kinds of churches around town. And uh, Zion and Two Pillars are, by the way, what time is service at Two Pillars? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. And uh, Zion has a, has a service at 8.30 and a, Zion, and a service at 11. But there are, there are dozens of churches around town that will uh, faithfully uh, preach uh, the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Christ in a glorious service of worship. And so uh, Todd and I want you to know you're very welcome at our place, mm-hmm. but, but we are no illusion that there aren't many, many, many churches in Lincoln that are proclaiming the risen Christ. And uh, we, uh, we appreciate uh, the work of any church that preaches uh, Christ, a son of God and savior of sinners, uh, risen from the dead, and uh, and uh, so find one of those churches if if you're if you and know you're welcome at ours. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's see. As we're thinking about uh, a resurrection uh, again, a little bit. Is there any other uh, teachings or questions about resurrection that you tend to field from people? Um, I I think as I uh, have worked that through. Uh, some of the questions come from uh, actually the Gospels, where there are these accounts of uh, Jesus after the resurrection mm-hmm. and some kind of, uh, well, they, they sound kind of miraculous or kind of peculiar things in terms of the there's a room, the door is locked, Jesus all of a sudden is in the room. And it's emphasized that the, the door was locked. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he's on the road to Emmaus and he all of a sudden he disappears. And uh, so he is, he's, a, he's flesh, uh, as real as you and me, and yet uh, he seems, his body seems to function. A resurrected body isn't exactly the same as, a, as our bodies. Mm-hmm. As, have you, uh, is, is there, do we have any hints from that, or is that just Jesus because he's Jesus? Or is that something that is a hint as to what the, 
what our glorified bodies might actually be like. Yeah, you might have to answer that one yourself, Stu. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a complex one. I mean, he is certainly one hundred percent man and one hundred percent God. Um, there are certainly aspects of that that I don't fully want to try to pretend to understand. It is peculiar, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. These kind of things that yeah. are going on, passing through walls. Just, I mean, even even when he raises from the grave, um, you know, we when Peter and John race to the the tomb and find it empty, what they find is the linen cloths still there, and somehow he maybe passed through the linen cloths, just like mm. he passed through um, a wall into this locked room. Mm-hmm. And there's some mystery there, I think. Yes, yes, there is some mystery, but kind of invigorating mystery though right sure yeah because uh, some of the other things when you think about the kingdom to come okay like isaiah talks about uh isn't that running and not growing weary and uh mm. you know the whole kinds of uh glimpses of what the future could be like mm. and uh and it's just so foreign to us i mean again and maybe that's just a word picture I, I don't know how these bodies work perfectly, but yeah. but there is it's kind of enticing to think of I, that I wouldn't have all the limitations that I have right now. Yeah, yeah, and it's one thing to think of um, our glorified bodies overcoming the typical physical ailments, the negative effects of yes. of living here in in the flesh mm-hmm. um, under the sun, and it's another thing to think of. What I think we're alluding to is a little bit of these positive effects that we might not even have categories for yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And I, and again, I, I don't, whatever it is, it's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, but it, it just does make us kind of curious as to what's that, uh, what that's going to be like. And even what that final kingdom is going to be like. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, again, no matter where you end up on the, on the charts and graphs of the, of the end times, it seems like we're all at pointing toward uh, a final kingdom where Jesus is the king and mm-hmm. it's and it's a real it's not just a spiritual kingdom it's a it's a yeah. physical spiritual uh kingdom together in a in a new kind of way yeah uh where do you go to from the scriptures to kind of think about those kind of things uh to think about the the end times aspects? or yeah kind or... of the where my final home um i mean I would go and camp out in some of the parables, honestly, where Jesus mm-hmm. talks about uh, the kingdom of God. And, and um, I think about the um, even the, the parable of the mustard seed is one that I've, I've looked at more recently um, and, and reflecting upon what the kingdom of God is going to be like. Uh, mm-hmm. What Jesus talks about what it's going to be like, and there's an aspect of that, right? The already and the not yet, and so even in the parables, there's an aspect of him explaining what it's like here already, but then even a greater dimension mm-hmm. of what it will be like um, further on into his return. So those are mm-hmm. some of the places I would go yeah, to. Yeah. Or, it, or you know, I mean, the classic one is Revelation 21, and think about the new heavens and the new earth, yeah. and uh, there being uh, no more, no more sin, no more tears. Um, I heard somebody the other day say, no more sirens, mm. uh, which was just a, an impactful way to, to think about that. We Typically, when we hear sirens, um, unless it's Wednesday at 10.15, um, those sirens are, are not good things, whether that's the, an ambulance or uh, tornado sirens, um, bad things going on. Mm. And just this reality of in the, new, in the new heavens and the new earth, there's no sirens. Yeah. No, I like that. I, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the word pictures. And, uh, but I think again, a lot of times that's, that's what they are. They're word pictures. It's, it's actually whatever the word picture is, it's a ton better than that. Mm-hmm. They're just words are almost uh, incapable of, of capturing, uh, how good it is. Um, last question, just a couple minutes left. Uh, oftentimes if, if people do go to church, 
once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are this is one of the two Sundays. Uh, if people are kind of on the fence and they're thinking about, okay, it's Christmas, okay, it's Easter, and and um, and we've gotten a lot of us have gotten out of the habit because mm-hmm. of COVID, and we we do things online. We haven't really gone anyplace. So if there's somebody out there who's kind of on the fence, uh, what would uh, what would your pastor self say say to that person who's just not sure? Yeah, what a great question. Um, you know, I would say, come listen. Most of us, um, especially at, at my church, man, we most of us remember what it's like to to be um, an unbeliever, uh, to have questions. Um, to have doubts. Uh, a lot of us still do have questions and doubts. We don't have it all figured out. And um, and so this is a church ought to be a, a place where your questions and your doubts are welcome. Um, even your unbelief is, is welcome. Now we want you to come to, to, to saving faith in Christ. Um, but we know that that happens through encountering Christ through his word. And so we'd love for you to come and hope that you would feel Welcome. Um, we try to explain things really well so that like what we're doing is is obvious and why we're doing it is obvious. So you don't feel weird and out of place. I, I've visited other churches here in town where I felt weird and out of place before. Uh, I know what that feels like. So we try to, especially on around the holidays, we try to break down those barriers a little bit. And yeah. hopefully you would um, experience uh, some gospel hospitality. Yes. Well, let me say an amen to that. Mm. And uh, we we acknowledge every week that uh, there's some people who are already there because they love Jesus and some people who are just checking out Jesus. Yep. And that's okay. We want to help them on that journey yep. and uh, get them to the point where they could say, no, that is the, the Jesus of Scripture is the Jesus that I've come to know and, and trust as my Savior. Yeah. Yep. Hey, uh, thanks, Todd. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Stu. Have a great, as we say on Easter, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, yeah. We'll leave you uh, with that. Uh, Have a great Easter.